1: Welcome to Count's Judge. I'm Elliot Marsh. I'm Kyle. I'm Kyla Schultz.
2: And I am Jeremy Duvall. Welcome! Totally happy to have you guys on for um, our second inaugural Firefight episode. And as you can see, Kyle needs no last name. I was trying to think, Kyle, like, uh, I try to give everyone nicknames, so I'm trying to think of, like, what your nickname would be. And I was thinking, like, kyle the viking or kyle the legionnaire or i'm still working on it i'm still
3: workshopping <laughs> ideas for your nickname i've I'm had sure plenty of Forge the forge lord yeah that's yeah. a good one well the forge lord kind of sucks in the game both dead zone and firefight is too much so maybe like the forge guard huskarl if we're gonna go okay. that route <laughs> i like the forge <laughs> <Okay>. guard huskarl
2: <laughs> the lord of the, the forge guard lord huskarl yeah grand poobah yeah, the
3: forge okay. lord's too much you know he's too much money too much points he's just yeah. you know he's 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 too much bling on his stuff for no reason yeah
2: he's just he, he's he's shot too far he's bridged too far yeah so. <laughs> but i'm really excited to have kyle timberlake tyler Schultz, and elliot morish on the show uh we haven't had elliot on in a while as he i know he's he's had a, a lot going on especially in his luxurious uh retirement
1: from the kings of war <laughs> rc how, how have you been doing uh lately elliot yeah very well like you're busy not not a lot of hobby time, adler between moving house eight-and-a-half-month-old baby and everything else, but but very well. Yeah. yeah well, we're happy to have you on the Counter-Charge air
2: again. And today we're going to be talking about a bunch of cool stuff. We're going to be taking a, a look at what we've been up to hobby-wise in Firefight, some games we've been playing. Then we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about organized slash competitive Firefight events. Uh, points-wise, structure-wise, we'll talk a little bit with Elliot about a recent event the Northern Kings put on. And then we'll take another break and we'll finish up the show by looking at the new FAQ that has come out for Firefight. We'll talk a little bit about errata. We'll talk a little bit about frequently asked questions and then we'll wrap up the show. Uh, But before we get into all of that, let's just start with a hobby sort of slash uh, games played. Um, What about you, Tyler? Let's, Let's start with you. What have you been up to hobby wise?
4: Yeah, well, post post US Masters for Kings of War, I got in a real Kings of War kick. Um, I also got to expand my my Chinese terracotta army, so I've been doing a ton of that. But then, just most recently, uh, just in the past like you know week or two, I really caught the firefight bug again. Um, I posted on a few of the groups, but I, I finally painted up my my Forgefather Juggernaut guy. Uh, so he's like fully magnetized and super rad. You can switch out the weapons and. He matches the rest of the army now so that's like the final model I had to paint for the uh the forge fathers so they, he's he's done until I buy more obviously <laughs> but uh, I completed that project and then just as a palette cleanser from all the fantasy stuff I, I busted out the Veermin again and I've been in a real real veermin headspace lately I've been painting up uh, some tunnel runners uh, which are models I've actually never painted so this this is the first time I've been doing that and I, I really like them I don't know if you guys have Uh, mess with those models a lot, but they're they're really neat it's a little bit difficult uh to get the the head of the veermen that has like the gas mask on because every one of my veermen has gas masks on i don't have a single one that like doesn't it's a little hard to get that into the right spot because it's you know a little mono wheel and it's like in the middle of the wheel so it's a little difficult to do that but then once you do i think the the models are just really cool they have a lot of a lot of intricate little, you know, tubes and, and motor looking things and gears. And it's just a, a fun, fun Tons thing of to flavor in that yeah. unit A lot of flavor in that unit. Yeah. And then, yeah, obviously, gameplay wise, too. I'm, I'm excited to get them, you know, officially working because they work so well with the, the tunneler. So you can just pop stuff up and just be a general nuisance. So pretty excited about that. And then because I finally started painting those, I was like, well, you know, I've painted a grand total of, you know, four guys lately. So I need, I need to reward myself obviously so i i finally pulled the trigger and bought a mutant rat fiend i have him primed but i haven't started painting him yet and i'm gonna really try to go all out on this one and, and really push my painting to the awesome. highest, highest limit i can do you know uh because that model is really cool and i know i gushed about it i think last time on the previous firefight episode but man it's it's really cool and it's really neat to have it in person now that thing is a brick it's like a yeah big chunky hunk of resin and it's it's really exciting like plus gameplay wise i mean eight attacks it's just rad and he's on threes and just an absolute monster so
1: it's one of those beautiful models that the more you look at it the more you discover and see and you know it it looks cool and to start with but actually the, the closer you look as well you see all the nice details and it is it's gross in all the right ways
4: I was Brilliant. I was blown away by some of the detail. Like, um, you know, see, so he's got the big gaping mouth in his stomach. The normal mouth, like where his normal head is, has incredible detail. Like, there's, like, texture on the tongue that looks like taste buds and stuff. I was like, what? It's really, really nice model. So I'm, I'm excited for that one. I've been having my eye on it for a while, and I finally pulled the trigger on it. So excited to get that painted up. And like you said, uh, uh, eight attacks
2: anti-tank ap3 it's got armor 7 plus you know regeneration uh it's it's a nice it's a nice big uh beady, beady piece now would you ever run you can get a like uh, these I always i'm curious about these big giant monsters that you can in a, get an additional one for like an extra points would you ever run two in your list
4: or do you just uh, so far have just the one so I was looking at that and my theory i don't know so i, I feel like you're better off if you have two separate Mutant rat fiends as the separate two together. units yeah. because you know if you have them both together they have to charge the same thing and a lot of the time I feel like eight attacks with that amount of AP and you know I feel like he's reliable enough to just handle stuff on his own so I feel like you want to split them I guess the only way you'd want to have to do that is if you really wanted to double up and you didn't have the unlocks but Veerman don't struggle for unlocks so it's like I don't I don't know mm-hmm. I'd rather just have two separate units. And actually that I was looking at the uh the big scud demon spawn of Mountain Dew model. <laughs> and I was thinking, man, I might have to get another giant rat on the te- on the table because like I love that model. Just may- might have to adjust the wings and put some, you know, sci fi tubing and stuff, and then all of a sudden I've got two mutant rat fans. But that's it's a cool got idea. it's got the yeah, creative juices cool going. I'm, I'm thinking I might do that because that model's super cool too. And I blame basically Dan Kamek for all this because when I see his <laughs> Oh well his scud is probably his,
2: one it's the best painted scud in the world. And know? and his human rat
4: fiend. It's, yeah, both it's are just, just crazy. So every time I see his army at a at an event, I'm like, ah, I need to get it. <laughs> like so I think I think that's what I'm gonna try to do though. I think I might try to do a little conversion and try to try to unfantasy the uh the demon spawn guy. Looking at how can what models can we take from
2: kings or what models can we take like i saw a really cool conversion for gcps that was taking the northern alliance heads and putting it on their troopers to make it look like they're gcps but troopers but from like a snow world because they had all like the heavy fur like hats or whatever so it's interesting to think about the
4: conversions we can do across game systems Yeah, and that's not even to like mention all the the stuff that is super compatible with all the Ratkin stuff. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, then you can start doing all the infantry and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I've got the I've got the Veerman bug right now. Definitely like thinking about all the things I want to do. That's the one faction I need to play against. I haven't played against them yet.
2: So that's one you need to make a a Veerman army on tabletop simulator, Kyle. So I can
3: uh... actually. I did. I, I. Did a uh, play test. He's like, well, somebody actually. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, you know, it was. A table, it was uh, I have one in a tabletop simulator. Also, I, I did it on uh, UB2. I played a game on UB2 for the first time for Fire. Oh,
2: how how yeah. was the 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 playing on UB versus
3: uh, uh tabletop? You know, because it's it's you know like Kings of War Heights and stuff like that. It wasn't it wasn't much difficult than playing uh Kings of War. The big difference is there is no like click and drag function to bring whole units together oh uh, okay so it was so you're kind of hard. It was, one piece at a time you're there kind of like shoving things around and then there's like a pseudo
4: like tray system where you can yeah. move multiple units but it's a little janky especially when you have to like round a corner or something yep i was
3: tried the trays first and just like it was good until it wasn't good and then it became more a problem uh-huh.
4: yeah I, I played with adam ballard quite a while ago now but that was pretty fun We we were just kind of figuring it out and Playing, but it, it's doable for sure. It's, it's not yeah yeah for sure. Not it's super difficult. It just takes a little getting used to.
3: Yeah, I, I definitely prefer tabletop simulator over UB two for firefight and Dead Zone, and it's not possible in UB two for Dead Zone.
2: Yeah, so that was going to be my question: is the of the two? Now that you've tried, you you still prefer the uh, tabletop simulator for yeah. firefight?
3: Yeah, and I think the big thing too is like especially with sci-fi games, that visual element is a huge part of why totally. it's cool. And having that three-dimensional thing is, and I don't know, because Kings, I think, is just a, such a tight game at this point. Yeah. And I played so much UB2 on that that it's, it's I, I, I actually prefer UB2 over Tabletop Simulator for Kings just because it's more accurate. Capital Simulator mm. still has its weird physics sometimes where things yeah. start to slide.
4: And when
2: <laughs> I'm playing no Kings reason. on UB, I'm always remembering the old school white dwarf battle reports, you know, that would show the units yeah. moving and yeah. the so yeah. I don't know what it is. There's just something inherent with how UB2 is set up that it just makes sense for like ranks, ranks and flanks, like block units. Yeah. It, it just seems like Kings is really acclimated to that uh, interface. Well, what about you, Kyle? What have you been up to hobby-wise? I know you and Rashad have been playing a bunch of Dead Zone, but you've been getting any sort of Firefight Universe hobby stuff done lately?
3: Yeah, actually, I built uh, I built a bunch of the new plastic Marauder kit for Britain for his army. We uh, we made a deal. I don't know, like you, you too, Jeremy. You don't like building models that much. You like painting a lot more. That yes, I do. Yes, and correct, Brit- absolutely. Britain's the uh, same way. I'm the exact opposite. I love building models, and it like, comes to paint. I'm like, oh, I gotta paint this now. Uh, so <laughs> Britain's like, I, I you know he he was interested in firefight, but he. Uh, he didn't really want to assemble a model. He was like, I'll paint it. And I was like, what if I, as- it? but you know, he didn't want to assemble it. And I was like, I'll assemble the models for you. And he thought I was joking. Like, no, I'll, I'll build the whole army for you. Just make sure it's painted. So I built his first uh, initial batch of like 36 plastic marauders and waiting for the rest of the stuff to come in and Good start, start hammering away on that.
2: Nice, and how have those models been going together? I, uh, I I have some of those sprues right in the in this two player starter set, but I hadn't looked at yeah. them
3: super closely. The, the how, plastic kits how... really cool, and they, it's one of those things like you have you have multitudes of every option except for the one option you really wanted, <laughs> which is like the power claw thing, which is a like a close combat upgrade. You only get because I I think when the sprue was designed, it was like meant to be a unit leader thing, and maybe during playtesting. More models got access to it, uh, but there's one power claw thing on the sprue per ten guys. So I had I, I had six guys with that power claw. So I had to get a bit creative, and how did I make that unit all show up that power claw? So the unit leader obviously has the big like orc chopper thing because that just seemed to fit. Uh, and then the last guy I had to kit bash like double pistol guns akimbo dude is he doesn't need a power claw because he just shoots everyone in the neck. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome but everything else the kit itself is, is really cool a lot of there's a lot of heads and different options so it was fun to put together
2: uh what about game wise uh have you had a chance to get any games in
3: uh, a firefight nothing recently uh i did a lot of dead zone recently and uh at the our league meeting for surge and destroy or not league league uh, game day we had like two months ago i brought dead zone and a bunch of and Demoed it for three or four people, and all of them were hooked. Awesome! Uh, They're like, you know, and and one of uh, one of the guys there, Wade, who has he's one of those guys who's just like into every game. He's he's a true old school gamer of like this game's fun, I'll play it. He has models for everything, and he had a bunch of Alien vs Predator stuff that he wanted to use, and he and he played Dead Zone. He's like, I'm going home right now. To figure out how to make a list for the, the colonial marines the aliens and the predators like this this is what i've been waiting for so yeah
2: wade reminds me of wade reminds me a little bit of rob fanuff like i imagine that a room in wade's house where he has the models for every game ever designed ever yeah and, and he's like, always
3: super fun to play against too I, yeah I wade is a like good guy him. for sure for sure
2: cool well what about you elliot i know that you have a young young child and you just moved recently. Um, have you had any chance for hobby? Are you going to have a nice hobby spot in your new place once you get settled? Or what's I, been I am. There's a,
1: there's a there's a lovely to be built hobby space <laughs> in, in the new spare room. Um, uh, actual physical hobby has been quite limited because obviously we've, we've the house has been packed up, waiting to move, and then all the move and everything. We've all my painting stuff's been in the back of a pile of a box somewhere that I wasn't allowed to go near for quite a while. Um, but I've been I've been playing quite a lot on Universal Battle. Uh, a firefight, um, which is a really dangerous thing when you can't get to a paintbrush because uh, what I've now done is just gone out and bought all the armies that I want instead. So I had Enforcers. I was, I was enjoying them quite a lot. And then obviously Universal Battle, it's very, very easy just to switch armies and do something new. Um, so I've now fallen in love with Forge Fathers and have changed the list several times, have bought the stuff, changed my mind again, and bought more stuff. So there is a lot of Forge in my garage waiting at the minute. I've got color schemes planned out and changed again and planned out and changed again. So yeah, w- when I can finally get unleashed and actually do some hobby, I've got a, a very long to-do list. It's all hypothetical at the moment, Nothing, nothing real.
2: That's awesome, though, man. I love Forge Fathers. Just don't take any of the the missile launchers; they suck. So you know, like, well, just move, I, move along. Don't take I, any of those. I'm coming the from Enforcers, where
1: they've got they can get four of them that are just better. Uh, so it's like it's unbelievably
2: it's a downgrade. Yeah, I mean, last time I played Kyle's uh, Forge Fathers, he's like, "Okay, I'm going to shoot with these the missile launchers," and I'm like, "Oh, do they do anything?" And, and he's like, "You're gonna," and Randy Davis, you're gonna learn today. So, well, that's awesome. And you're going to have a little bit in your spare room. You're going to, are you going to have a, do you have a space to actually have a table set up permanently or is it you still going to uh, have to kind of take it down when you're not using it? Because I found once you can actually have a table set up all the time, it really makes a big difference in your hobby life.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to have a permanent, permanent painting table. And then like a temporary gaming table. Well,
4: I've been Jeremy. working on a bunch. Of- yeah,
1: Jeremy, what we,
4: we all need to know how your Asterium progress is coming. Yeah, up. so I've been working on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I
2: went down to San Diego a week or so ago for a work conference. And uh, I was able to hang out with Brenton. And we were going to go out to dinner. And I was like, well, I want to go check out Ed E's games. And then just pick me up from Eddie's games. And we'll go grab some food. Uh, so I go to Eddie's games. And Brenton's waiting for his wife to get back from the airport because he's on baby duty, right? And he's like uh, texting me. He's like, oh, I'm going to be a half an hour late just because, you know, my wife's plane got delayed or whatever. You know, no big deal. So I ended up being able to and this was like I say this because it was glorious because usually when I'm on vacation looking in game stores, I have my lovely wife who she can do maybe like a half an hour in a game store. But then, you know, can't do the full like, you know, hour and a half of in a new game store that you've never been to that has huge amounts of stuff where I can take my time and like look at every little piece. So that was pretty awesome, and I ended up getting from Gamers and Grass, they have pre-made really nice basing. Uh, I used to be for my uh, round base sci-fi games, I really loved, it was a company called Secret Weapon Miniatures that went out of business, they made resin bases, uh, and I just love basing in general, and bases, it helps me like think of a theme, so One of the reasons it was like holding me back on starting on my Asterians is I was trying to figure out, you know, what kind of basing do I want to do? What kind of theme do I want to do? And when I got to this game store, one of the lines of basing that the uh, gamers and grass had was like a rocky, snowy, tundra looking base, which was one of the types of bases I was thinking about doing. And I was like, they're all ready, done here ready to go now you know so i just like i got a little shopping cart i was just filling the shopping cart with like all this stuff so i got five the packs of the 20 20 millimeters are the basic infantry size there was 10 to a pack so i got five packs of those so i have enough for like 50 infantry of different types i got the weapons platforms and the biker platform size uh, I got a bunch of those. I got two of the larger sizes for my Spectras, and then one big size for the uh, the Chroma. So I got so I got all my basing now, and I figured I figured out on my color scheme. I think I'm gonna take from my Twilightkin hashtag one tier down the cheek. Uh, now that I'm not gonna be really putting a lot of energy into them right now, while we're waiting to figure out what's going on, I really love the color scheme I had for them, which was uh, some cream, red, black. With a popping teal color, so I think I'm just going to take the color scheme from my uh, Twilight kin and just you know dump that into the Asterian project. I mean, so filthy I, elves are filthy elves. That's so what I'm saying, right? Uh, you know, they're brothers from another mother. So
4: they, they transcend space and time. Elf filth is it's filth everywhere, exactly.
2: So I thought, yeah, cool. Well, I'm glad we're on the we're on the same uh, same train here. So I started putting together my marionettes. Because uh, I got the, the uh, main Asterian army, uh, which was like, you know, the marionette units, the chroma, like the mega army or whatever it was. So I started to uh, and I was like, man, now that I have the bases, this is going to be my quick, quick project. So I started messing with some contrast paints. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to I'm just going to paint these like I normally paint them. I just can't do it. No matter how hard <laughs> I try, I can't not try to paint every model I paint better than the last model I painted. I just can't. I can't move away from that, so I just gotta like live my truth. Uh, and I played a bunch of games with Kyle. We've been we've been playing not in the last week or so, but we've gotten a bunch of games in on tabletop simulator. I played against his four Fodger, F- Forge Fathers. I played against GCPS. I played against um, Enforcers. So I have a list that I that I like. The one sort of component of it that I'm messing around with it is just the basic. Um, my what am I using to unlock? You know my basic troops. I know that I have my supports down. I'm running 2 Spectras, Spectres. I'm um, and I'm running them. And in my story, they're like I have a whole fluff around them. One is the uh the pistol version, and one is the uh close combat version. I like having the options for the two different ones. Uh, I've been running um, Black Talents, which I really like. I'm still trying to figure out how I want to model them to be different i i mean i gosh i really wish please santorani uh, bring me a hard plastic like cypher black talon uh asterian kit i really feel like that they need some sort of that would be like a, a, a area in the Asterians that needs more models would love to see like a kit for them
4: yeah that would kind of unlock the cypher playstyle too which is sort of trapped behind the fact that they're old models. Like, I think yeah. it would be really good for the game if they if they could do that as a sprue.
2: I think it would be. And I know that, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I think Firefight's been doing pretty well. Because basically right now, with how the models and everything work, you're kind of being, uh, with playing Asterians, you're kind of pushed into doing like a marionette build. Uh, and I like the marionettes. We actually were funny. I had this one marionette. And in my marionette squads, I run a sniper rifle. And Kyle and I were playing. And we had this one, like, Omega like John Rambo, uh, Asterian like <laughs> sniper guy. He would not die. He would not die and he kept shooting and killing mules. So it would be like I we imagine that he would shoot a, you know the sniper rifle through the like the windshield and kill the driver and the driver would like drive off the you know the road into a building and explode. I would love an easier way to get Cyphers and um Black Marianna. Talons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Black yeah, yeah. They didn't
3: so, Black Talons cuz there was like one Black Talon model and a leader model. That's it. Yeah.
2: And they're an awesome unit. Like uh, in one of our games, I felt the game that I uh, did okay in is like I was shooting, dodging, ducking, weaving, replenishing shields, and then just dropped down all of these Black Talon guys and like was doing the command. And they were just their overcharged rifles and were just smoking people. So so that's moving forward, that's really what I want to do is I want to start getting some of my – get my color schemes all settled out, start uh, getting the Astarians, uh, start getting the marionettes done. I have everything. The only thing I need to purchase is I need to get my Spectres. So uh, I've just dumped a lot into getting all my EOD stuff. So I'm kind of, I'll probably start on my troops and then I will do, I'll get my Spectres probably in the next week or, or next month or so. But still really enjoying that army, still really enjoying that playstyle. style. Hysterians are super fun. They reward you for doing things in the correct order and punish you if you screw up. Uh, as I've known from my, uh, ty- I call my chroma the Titanic because every yeah. game, it just explodes and dies. So This is
3: a tank. No, it's not a tank. Don't put yeah. it in front.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll put this tank in the front and charge. And then that was when I was introduced to uh, Forgefather Missile Fire when it was like, <laughs> oh, you're going to pull that tank right in the middle of the battlefield, Jeremy? Okay, I will shoot it dead. So burn, burn the heretic. So anyone else have any other hobby updates or stuff they want to talk about?
4: That's about all I got for now. Okay.
2: Cool. Well, we're going to take a break. And on the other side, we're going to talk with Elliot about the Northern Kings firefight tournaments. And then as a group, we're going to rift a little bit on how might be the best way to run a competitive firefight event. So we will be right back.
1: Hey, this is Ash Barker from GMG, and you are listening to Countercharge. I'm Ronnie from Mantic Games, and you're listening to Countercharge.
2: Okay, we are back. So I know, Elliot, we had talked about trying to get you on a little bit uh, earlier, but as we all know, Tyler can't schedule. So uh, here we are. uh, Hey, now. Hey, (laughs) now. (laughs) Here we are in October. And I know back in uh, July, you guys, Northern Kings, had run the opening skirmish. Uh, You're sort of Fourier into running a competitive firefight uh, event. Can you take us a little bit through, like, what you guys decided, why you guys decided to run a firefight event and sort of, like, were you, were you guys all just really excited as a club to be getting into Firefight? Or before we get into the actual logistics, what was your guys thinking when wanting to start to get a competitive Firefight event going?
1: It wasn't even a competitive event we were after. It was the the, the reason the Northern Kings came into existence in the first place was we, we wanted to play more games. Um, and we, we always found the best way to play games is at tournaments because um, it brings people together and, and you, you sort of guaranteed X number of games. Um, and, and Northern Kings as a club was set up with the idea that one person could be the tier, one person the spare player, and then the other two could could play in the event and we'd just rotate around. So we all had more events to go to. Um, so when when Firefight came around and we, we started reading the rules and, I, and actually thought that this was an itch that, that we really wanted to scratch in, that, that doesn't exist uh, before. We, all of us have been 40k gamers in the past um, and have played it for the, kind of the we wanted that fun kind of you know beer and pretzels kind of game that falticators is not anymore um and for all the negative things attached to it. So when we we had a few games we thought this this is this is a good game, we want to try it, best way we can do to try it is to make a lot of people come together and, and play with us. Um and the best way to do that is to to put on an event. So we, we weren't really concerned around it being competitive. There's no rankings as of yet or wasn't at the time. There's no no real concern around winning it's just uh basically an organized games day um but if you put it in the under the guise of a tournament that's simple and something we know how to run uh, so that, that was kind of our, our motivation behind it
4: i think that's a good way to kind of start out you know the game is still new you know people are still getting stuff together not everyone has you know ten thousand points of dead zone like some people me um but i think it's a good way to just kind of introduce the idea of a, of a organized firefight event so i'm really curious to see how it like went down i know that the guys in michigan also did something pretty similar at the michigan gt uh the dead zone podcast guys helped run the firefight event there and it sounds kind of like a similar kind of vibe yeah and i say competitive and maybe the better word
2: tyler is what you just said which is organized right where running tournaments is a good way to get people organized as hey on this day we're going to be at this location playing this game
1: yeah I th- I think that's kind of the best best way to describe it. It was I think for more than half the people there it was their first ever game of Firefight which was great because it's it it really is a real testament to the rules that people still played the games and played them fine. Um there was a bit of checking in the books but you know it was it, it still ran really smoothly even though it was totally new to to most people there. or some people there actually had had been involved in player testing. Um we had a member of the rules committee there so it was it was a really nice mix, but all those people got to play with each other uh, as if they'd been playing for, for years. There wasn't an obvious disadvantage to anybody.
2: What I love about Firefight is straight out of the book, it reads as one of, if not the clearest, easiest to understand Mantic game. I think the rule book for firefight is just, you know, really shout out to, to Andy. It's it's really clear. And I think we see that later in the show when we talk about the, the errata and the first fact is that it's it's a lot of cleanup, but really that initial firefight rule book is really well written and easy to play straight out of the book, I think.
1: Yeah, we we had a bit of a moment the the morning of the tournament where we kind of said should we have reread the rules as a as, as a TO? <laughs> Should we have known because we I'd watched the YouTube videos, I'd done this, we would played quite a few games. And then it was, what if there's a rules question? He said, Oh, what if there is? <laughs> it's okay, the RC will be there. They'll they'll know it all. Yeah. <laughs> but, Push but it after they, them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was it, as you say, it, it is such a smooth game. It's it's so well put together that any questions that did come up, we were able to get the book out together and, and answer them within, you know, thirty seconds quite often. So the, it, the, there wasn't really the same fear there might have been of holding other events. Even even Kings, which is a very, very clean ruleset in itself, I think as a tier you, you will kind of want to go into those a bit more prepared for the the nuances, the bits that come up, the the awkward rules for the, with, the,
2: the disengage and withdraw questions. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. You, you want to become at least forewarned of what might come up. Sure. Um, and I'm sure those things will emerge over time in in Firefight as well. Um, but actually, there was there was no fear on our part of just saying, "Yeah, we're, we're more than confident. We've we've read these rules through once. <laughs> we're we're happy enough actually to say, let us put an event on. We, we can do this." And
2: you guys decided to go with a thousand points for a one day, uh, yeah. which I mean that makes sense to me. I think you guys went for three games. What uh, how did that work uh, points wise? Did that feel like a good points points level to you? The thousand points for like a intro event.
1: Yeah, it, it was very much an intro event. It was if you've bought the two player set and maybe one more thing you can you can get a thousand points out of that. Um, we we kind of put the thing out saying everyone's got enough 40k in a shoebox somewhere to to put a thousand points together. It worked it it worked really well in terms of everyone was able to bring something to the event. I, I personally feel it's a, it's a from the games I've played now, it's a bit small, but it was brilliant as an introduction. And the same with three games. We could easily have got four games in, probably five, to be honest, within that. But we wanted to give people a lot of room to breathe, a lot of time to play those games. Uh, every single game finished before the end of the round, except Rob Berman, who apparently is the <laughs> slowest player known to man. Um, <laughs> well, he's, he's also got a thousand models to move around, right? Doesn't well, it's a, a, a we, we, had, we had Rob Berman and Ian Davis, who was um, on the rules committee for Dead Zone. Um, playing each other and all the other games were finished and i I went over and it was round two and oh oh, geez (laughs) yeah nothing had died at all i'm looking at what have you been doing and they've just been like slowly maneuvering around each other and like you know this is a really killer game don't you (laughs) and it's a
4: really killer game that's why yeah they just chose (laughs) to
1: stare each other down that's funny and then I came back ten minutes later and finished round three and everything was dead. <laughs>
4: that, that sounds that was more productive. Like it. Yeah, that sounds a lot more like it.
2: Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm really curious, Elliot, and also Kyle and Tyler speak to this, you know, we were trying to think about in our inaugural firefight episode, what might be like a good points level for sort of that two day GT or, or, you know, the 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 2300 point equivalent, like that's sort of kind of a, a standard in Kings. And I know that we were sort of circling around 1500 points, but both Kyle and Tyler were like, no, dude, let's use more points. What do you, uh, you know, let's first start with you, Elliot. What sort of, have you guys found a sweet spot yet in, in the amount of points that you guys
1: like playing? So so I would say at least 1500 for me. 1500 feels like when you're playing that one, nine, nine, five level of Kings that you've got to make real decisions about what it is you're bringing. Um, I've tried 2000 and it was just, it works really well. Um Because it's such a fast game and the, that kind of, The amount of stuff that dies, it it you almost can you can just keep adding points on and it still works. Um, I've also found the more points you add, the the more of the rough edges around balance get smoothed off a little bit. There are some armies that I think at the moment, and this is just natural for a kind of a effectively a first edition of the game, can struggle at the lower points levels, whereas some armies absolutely excel. At low points, um, and and the more points we've gone up, we've found those kind of disparities disappear quite fast. But it will be interesting to actually see it in person because it's it's all very well playing one game on an evening at 2,000 points or um 2,500 points as we've tried as well. But I do wonder if the fatigue would start kicking in by sort of like game five, game six, uh, because it's it's the same with. Kings of War, and I, I played a 3,000-point tournament the other day, which was oh, wow. really good fun, but by the end of it, I was exhausted. <laughs> it, it was enough for five games <laughs> of that. So I, I think in in the real world, I think we'll end up finding somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000. I think that's a pretty good assessment.
4: I think, um, just kind of looking at, at firefight lists that I've made that are around 1,500 points, it's it's pretty comparable to the, like you said, like the 1995 Kings of War sort of range where you do have to make decisions. You can still fit a few toys in there, but it's not, you know, you don't get to bring all three flyers and all that stuff. But I do think as people get more and more comfortable with the rules and as the tournaments get away from, you know, organized game days essentially to being more like, Oh, everybody knows what they're doing. We're here to play the game at the level that we can play it at. I feel like that's when you start getting to the 2000 plus range. And I, I think 2000 might be the sweet spot. I, 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 would love to play more games at that level, but that's kind of where I see it going too. I totally agree with Elliot on this.
3: Hearing uh, Elliot talk about two thousand points is a good spot, and fifteen hundred uh, got me excited because I just like want to build more dwarf stuff. I want to crack more planets. I want to shoot more missiles.
2: Well, it all it all belongs
3: elves. to you,
4: right? So <laughs> yeah. this is this yeah. You yeah. Our God role,
3: made right? it. This is our stuff. <laughs> all right. <laughs>
4: Well, and especially be especially here. if you're a dwarf player, because everything's so expensive in the dwarf list. I think that's yeah, as yeah. Elliot kind of alluded to. That's one of those lists that gets better as you get higher points because you can actually bring stuff. Yeah, you're not that, limited by like you know. I brought one commander and the one hill I will die I on. Is one that thing, dwarf
3: APC is way too many points. Damn it. Yes, <laughs> or, or make it way tougher. One of the two.
2: <laughs> and even though this is a new edition, in many ways this is like a first edition. Right, the game yeah. is so different. But you're gonna have I think with any game like that you're gonna have maybe some balanced stuff like I know Kyle you've had some super fun air quote games against uh, uh, certain lists that there are some matchups maybe at certain points levels that are kind of tough you know so maybe maybe that extra points like Elliot says is gonna free uh, you know help uh, smooth the
3: edges. of some of those initial balance problems. When when someone wants to bring triple bomber, you kind of need the, but you can't plan for everyone to have triple bombers. So (laughs) yeah, I know. I know
2: you've experienced that. I know a Kyle's experienced the bomber from, I've seen it on tape. Of uh, a flyer running around killing his whole <laughs> German gear, army. What, what, wasn't it Tyler's flyer that was killing everything? Oh yeah, it was Tyler. Ah, oh, no, no, no. uh, no, I see. Was I was, trying to think that was of...
4: Tyler. It was Tyler getting killed by. Oh, you okay? It was you. No, I was killed. okay. I, thought I was, it was plague. Your... Okay. Hey, I was I was plague, and I was getting
3: bombed from here. Okay. To... yeah. Can't I remember kill. watching that video, but,
1: but yeah, I, I think. Something you mentioned that I want to talk about the event as well, about how how it looked on the table. Um, a massive shout out to um, Elysium Games, where we, we held the event in Pontefract. Um, they set the boards up for us in advance so that they'd, they'd never heard of Firefight. They didn't know what it was. I gave them a, a very quick brief and said, you know, what kind of terrain we'd like. And when I got in in the morning, they, they were giddy because they, they're they predominantly like a 40k venue these days. But they'd gone into the back and found their own 40k old 40k terrain. That actually looks good to play on. Um, whereas now, for to from what I understand is a lot of L-shaped buildings or um, ruins, and that's it. And you don't, don't dare use anything other than this L-shaped block. And they'd gone and found all their old, really cool, custom-made. There was like a scrapyard that done with huge cranes in it, and uh, an old fungal forest from like a, like a mushroom world. And and what we found was. Um, Firefight played beautifully on this kind of really cinematic terrain. It, it doesn't need sort of like 2D really s- scripted terrain. It works on anything you can put it on. Um, so that that was a huge plus that people were coming in going, you know, what what is this? This looks like. I don't have to I deploy to all
2: my guys in a conga line behind a yeah, giant L-shaped exactly. line of sight blocking piece of terrain or I lose on the first turn. Yeah. I mean, that that's one of the reasons why I love Firefight is because with the alternating active activations, you can play a game that on the table looks like how it should look.
1: Yeah. It, it was it was brilliant and they and they loved it. They were so excited as a gaming star to be able to say, we can get this stuff out again. It's great. And we the the, the tables were fantastic because they clearly gone to town with no none of the restrictions that sort of competitive forty K players put on them.
4: That's mm-hmm. awesome. And then you can you know, the other cool thing about Firefight is you can mix in all the other stuff too. You can mix in the forests that you have built, the hills, the, you know, I feel like a lot of the stuff doesn't exist in forty K worlds and you know, some other games like that. Like, it doesn't have to just be a city. You can you can really go to town with the terrain. So that's, that's really awesome that you were able to do that. Yeah.
2: And then it seemed like you guys, which makes sense, right, in sort of an inaugural event, I, I don't see a, a Northern Kings scoring system yet for a firefight. I, I see that you guys just did sort of a, a 15 points for win, 10 points for draw, 5 points for loss with a plus or a, – a, oh, well, it was – so no minuses, right, So on your bonus points. So somewhat Northern Kings-y uh so just 10 15 5 plus points for
1: uh kill points yeah and it was it, that that was really the only kind of falling down um and we, we knew ahead of time because it was always going to be the case um so obviously because it's number of players and it's only three rounds there's there's people that end with the same number of wins um and as we discovered firefight is unbelievably killer so a lot of people were tabling their opponents on time to three so everyone's getting top top points um and i think quite quickly TOs are going to have to try and figure out some kind of scoring system for events um based around scenario and i actually think that will really help with the potential problem of the game being a bit too killy and the objectives are almost irrelevant at the minute because everything's dead um long before it gets to the end of who's scoring what objectives I, again, I must have a massive shout out to the King of Hearts guys who who run events down in the southeast of, of the UK um, because I think they're on their third firefight tournament now, and we've we've been in conversation with them and they've been doing a lot of really good work around how do we come up with a scoring system um, for for firefight because the scenarios in Kings of War you can quite easily make it so that um, kind of the max points anyone can score on a scenario is seven for every every scenario. That doesn't really exist yet for the the scenarios in Firefight, and there's a kind of a huge range of what it might be. Um, so I think that's just going to come naturally as we play more games, um, and we, we kind of get a, a feel of what a minor win is, what a walkover is, and kind of how you come up with some kind of scoring in between those two. We're not there yet, but it, it's something that we're flagged from that event as we're really going to need this because... <laughs> At the top, it really just came, did come down to a few kill points, which didn't feel like a very satisfying um, divide uh, between yeah. the top players.
3: Do you think that maybe one way around that is instead of using kill points as like a second uh, modifier for points, and just getting rid of kill points and using uh, like putting two types of objectives on the board, like one uh, conti- like one that scores every round and one that scores at the end of the game, or something like that?
1: Uh, absolutely, I-, I think there's. What I really like, and and we we've been trying to discussing, is I think there's this the opportunity here for a more creative solution than maybe what we've done in Kings, because I, I like how we do it in Kings, and that's fine. But what I don't necessarily think we have to do is copy and paste from Kings over to Firefight, and and what you just said there is a great example of that. Of actually, yeah, you you could have your you win the game this way. But also here is how you score additional scenario points and you could change that every single you know round and it would be quite cool actually to have your additional points be almost the exact opposite of your objective of winning the game so yeah you've got to be doing you know patting your head and rubbing your stomach at the same time to try and um, score maximum points and that that's where tournaments can really come into their own of bringing additional layers of strategy and thinking into it. but as I say that, that's sort of stuff that will come up just as we play the game more really and we? we'll get to know it better.
4: Well, and the games are inherently different in the way that they operate, right? I feel like that's one of the big bugaboos about progressive scoring in, in Kings of War is that, like, at the end of each round, you know, it really matters who goes first or second for getting onto objectives and staying on objectives and all that kind of thing. Whereas in Firefight with the alternating activations, I feel like progressive scoring makes more sense just in general for this game, just because the way the game operates, it's more progressive in the way that it handles the way units actually activate and move around and so it's more of a back and forth so i feel like the scoring might be better off if we reflect that through the scoring and the rules for the scoring rather than you know trying to stick with the antiquated you know the king's thing that works for kings but then you know like i remember at lone wolf that there was a couple scenarios where they did progressive scoring and it was kind of a mess because it's just the game isn't designed to to work like that whereas i feel like firefight is way more in line with with a more progressive like scoring method
2: i think the nature of the game right the alternating activations and then the also in some matchups where all your stuff is also shooting and everything you know what i mean so it's not i i think that you're not in a position of firefight where your opponent can move their whole army across the board and then now they're progressive scoring for you know like a progressive scoring invade scenario or whatever it's that you move one unit at a time so I think the, that's why, and I think that's why you see a lot of progressive scoring in sort of skirmish type sci-fi games. So I think that's probably a nice design space uh, to think about in, in designing tournaments for firefight or missions. But yeah, we'll have to get the King of Hearts guys on here because I know we've had them on the show before talking about King stuff. But yeah, it's really an exciting time. Like you mentioned, Elliot, for I think we do have an opportunity with organized firefight play to sort of throw out the playbook. And, be, and, and think about how do we want to design dynamic scenarios or think about a scoring system that's not sort of just putting the firefight lens on a, uh, you know, a, a, a KOW set of glasses. It's like, let's think this game is not the same at all. So let's kind of start from scratch.
4: And Elliot, I know um, this is, you know, a while ago now, but do you happen to remember which missions you guys played at the event? Do you know so, uh, which ones uh, you gave a go? <laughs>
1: So going totally against the idea of not going from a Kings of War perspective, um, I, I made sure there was a a pillage style one, a basically a hold an objective, hold an area, and a kill one to kind of get the, the, the gambit of it all. Um, I can't remember what sense. the names <laughs> were. But yeah, it was a hold objective markers or hold a part of the battlefield or kill each other. Um, we did play the one that, and I can't remember it, where it's the diagonal deployment zones. Um, so, you deploy in the corners rather than directly opposite each other. Um, right,
4: so, I think that one's refused flank. I think. Yeah,
1: and we put on a six by four. I'm maybe wonder if that had been written with a four by four in mind um, because you start more than 30 inches away from each other, which is quite a gap for some armies. Um, so, there was a bit of grumbling from some of the players, but they, they got go over it. Gotta bring smoke. Gotta bring smoke. Yeah. That's no, all I gotta plenty say. Plenty smoke there. And then, how many players did you guys end up having? uh we had i think it was 12 in the end oh man um, that's awesome yeah it was it was it was good like I said, the king of hearts guys are doing better than me um we, we, i managed to get 12 by beg borrowing the mantic staff and getting everybody down there um yeah we're not far from mantic hq up, up in in uh, west yorkshire so we had quite a few people sort of come along who were either staff members or rc members um but as i say we, we we pulled in people, a new face I've never seen before, so there were all um, ex-Kings of War players. There was a few that had just heard about the game and, and wanted to try it out. Um, I think they, they're now getting towards selling out down in, in the King of Hearts, so they're, they're up to 18, 20 players. Um, nice. Awesome. Yeah. The, those guys are fantastic at building communities. They, they built the Kings of War community down there from nothing, and now they've their problem is they have too many events on. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're now doing the same with firefight They're, they're just they're really good at getting that momentum going, and, and, and I need to mirror what they're doing up in the north now.
2: So uh, I know that you guys have, as far as miniatures, you were, you were, and I get it right. It's an, it's your first one, so you want to be a little bit more open. So you guys were allowing out, outside proxies. You know, I definitely think that, and I've said it on the other show as I've been working on my EOD army is i'm just trying to buy more mantic stuff and i think this game mantics being a little bit more okay you know use our models which i think is a totally like fair thing do you see you guys do you see you your group evolving to using to to having only mantic models in your organized play, or what are people's thoughts about sort of allowing proxies to get people in but not but eventually knowing you know trying to tell people that this is a door that will shut like it's not going to stay open for 3 years and then shut and you guys are going to be all pissed it's like what do you guys think about the the model issue
1: so we we will never ban them um and we've been quite specific on that that we are, we are not a business we are a group of friends that play a game we really enjoy so it's not for us ever to ban Outside models, Um, we have outside models for lots of games, and we don't ever want to ban them from our events. On the flip side, I really like Mantic. I really want them to do well as a business. And I totally respect and understand their want to push firefighters and much more use Mantic models as a game. The compromise that we came to for this one that I think we'll probably carry on doing in the future is um, the price support came from Mantic. Uh, and we, we raffled it off and we said that only people that bring a full Mantic Army or 90% Mantic Army uh, are eligible to be in that raffle and I think that's a perfectly fair way going forward that we might say with all of our prizes um, that we say you know you, you, you can come, you can play, you will not be hindered in any way, won't be any tournament points deducted, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, for bringing whatever models you like, but for the prize support, if it's come from Mantic especially, um, then you have to bring Mantic models and um, And I think equally as TOs, we're going to try and stick to Mantic minis as kind of like leading by example. Yeah, Um,
2: modeling what you guys want to see. from Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: But then in saying that, there there is some parts of the range that isn't full. A lot less here because they've clearly designed the game around their range, uh, which I think is a good thing. But I don't think it's for us as individuals to push that, to enforce it and to say, no, you can't do that that you know the the game still grows when people play it but if mantic as a company wanted to turn around and say our formal events from now on you must use our minis i would totally respect that and would would not begrudge them in the slightest
4: yeah and i think i think that's what it's all about it's just the context of the event right you know you guys are trying to grow the scene makes sense to have you know the ability to bring in something i think the the michigan gt guys had a similar situation you know they I think they had like eight players in their in their tournament, and I think one of them was uh, was not Mantic. It was like a Terminator kind of thing. But I think I think as we're in the kind of growing stages and, and whatnot, I think it's it's not a bad idea to just try to get players out there, get them hooked, and then they're going to want to buy full armies of stuff. But then context wise, I feel like once once you get to the the more official or or bigger tournaments, say, like if we're playing at a Depticon or something, I would not be surprised. And actually, I think it should be encouraged that it should all be Mantic miniatures. I mean, it is a Mantic universe that's a very specific Mantic thing. So, you know, to see a bunch of space reigns running around would be a little bit more jarring than, you know, a generic fantasy world like Kings of War.
3: I do like the idea, though, of having that 90% Mantic Army uh, award, Uh, I think it's enough incentive to get people to make Magic Armies, but at the same time, it's not excluding anybody from achieving in the tournament just because they happen to not have Manic Models or whatever it is. And we've seen from Kings of War, I mean, a lot of people join Kings of War with their own stuff from fantasy or historical games, but pretty much everyone who's played Kings of War for a while has a Manic Army of one kind or another, if not multiples.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really up to you to, like, this is one of those things where I do completely agree with what Elliot was saying, which is, you know, the perfect example in Kings, the U S master scene, it helps promote Kings of war. And, uh, uh, a lot of those people don't buy as many Mantic models, but I still think if people are playing the game, it's good for the game. It's better for the game to have people playing it with other models than not playing it at all. You know what I mean? You're still creating, uh, uh, a community, but I like the idea of, of in an event let's say like you said have price support go or to me it's even like you can get appearance points with another army but if you want to compete for best painted you have to have Mantic models or like put elements in the game which are not going to prohibit someone but if it's someone who really wants to excel you know it's it's having elements to sort of promote the use of the miniatures because in the end it's you know we forget sometimes that mantic is like no matter how many rule books you buy from them, they, they need to sell models. Uh, so as a, in my mind, I love the games that they make. So part of that is I need to give them some of my money. But I think there's there's areas, right, where we can think about how do we encourage the use of, of Mantic models, which I don't think, uh, you know, from the very beginning, right, which is I think the miniature agnostic for Kings was one of its selling points. And maybe we have that element in Firefight, but we try to teach our newer players like right off the bat. The goal is to eventually have Mantic models.
4: Yeah, I kind of disagree with that, Jeremy. I think right off the rip, they've made it pretty clear that they want it to be a Mantic.
2: Oh no, I'm not talking about the company. I'm talking about us, the community. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, I think Mantic is very clear with this game, which is use our models. And
3: well, even then, I think in the rulebook it doesn't even it even says like you're not required to use our models or something along those lines. And I know I've seen people from Manic Post on the fi- Firefight page initially. They're like, we really, really want you to use our models, but we're not going to discriminate based on that.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the Manic philosophy, right? Yeah. But I, th- I think we just need to take that and and try to look through that as a realistic lens in that for the company to exist, they got to sell models. So if you love the game, try to support the company in some way. You know, like maybe you have your one, you're using your one uh, proxy army, but, and then on the side, maybe start building a Mantic army, or, you know what I mean? Or, or just try to find a way to support them is, is just what I'm trying to say. And I think as uh, organized play organizers, we can find ways to uh, not punish the people who don't have it, but help support the people who do want to use it. So, like, try to find that middle space, right? Where you're not hurting someone per se, but you're allowing the people who are investing in it. So more awards to win, or more swag, or, or however you want to do it.
3: I think that's the best way to put it. Don't don't punish people for not bringing mantic, but reward people who are. That's exactly. That's the I,
2: yeah, I think that's like especially when you're trying to grow the scene in the beginning, right? And I think organized play in and of itself is it, it's going to evolve with firefight. I think we're very much, you know, outside of some of the communities that we've been talking about, we're very much at that genesis phase, right? Of How do we start growing this sort of universe? And that's why I like to see people in the Dead Zone, because even if it's not Firefight yet, I really think Dead Zone could be a a gateway game into Firefight, because I think they're very much spiritually, uh, they have a lot of uh, core sort of sensibilities, right? Dead Zone playing super uh, fast and quick and fun, and Firefight plays fast and quick and fun, just not as crazy. You know, not a, exploding eights really does taking that out of firefight really does make dead zone feel unique. Yeah, exploding eights would be way too much of a problem with all that you're rolling. Firefights. Oh, seriously? So let's go
3: yeah,
2: I'm going <laughs> to shoot at you with all my missile launchers. Oh, I rolled eights. Everything in your army is dead. Well, what about player feedback, Elliot, from your event? Did did people seem to like it? I know you mentioned one. You know, we're still working on trying to think about scoring systems, but what was sort of the the, the your your read on the pulse of the room after the event? I, I think.
1: People had fun was was the really the good thing that came from it. Um feedback was really good. I, I, I was very honest and said, you know, I, I want all feedback, good and bad, about both the game and um and how we've run the event. Uh and, and it was all positive for what, what people came back to me with. There was a few bits like th- things like this, picking the scenarios and the, the kind of the balance of as I said, that like the, the diagonal deployment. Um people say, you know, that, that they kind of felt that they were kind of hampered by by that. But on, on the whole, I think it, it was the the most people went away kind of excited that they 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 didn't like the list they picked because it was the first time they'd written a list and they want to go do something else now. Which I think is a is a good place to be in actually. But I, I think yeah, I think I think it, it was a good fun game was was the the outcome for most people really. Nice. And then moving
2: forward, are you guys going to be looking at running more events or or what's sort of like your your plan since uh. The event you ran or since opening skirmish or sort of what's on your guys uh future future plans around firefight
1: so we're kind of planning everything we're doing at the minute um obviously i've, I've had to take quite a big pause from from running events um and just in general we have, obviously we have the northern kings gt which was for kings of war which was huge a lot of work and after that i think we all just said oh we could we could do it with a bit of a break now but definitely want to run more events in the future i know that numbers wise we've been really careful to kind of coordinate the events that are going on. I don't think the community in the UK is big enough yet to have too many events too close together. And so we're we're making sure really to think about going into you know end of this year and next year that the events are quite nicely spaced out across the year. So if people are going to travel for them, they're not having to do back-to-back weekends or even on the same weekend. Whereas with Kings now, we're at a point where we don't really have to worry about that anymore. There's so many players and so many events. We can just kind of schedule them wherever we want. We're going to have to be a lot more careful, I think, with Firefight, and even try and avoid Kings of War events because the player base just naturally will crossover quite a lot. So we definitely are going to run more events. Um, when yet we've no idea. It'll definitely be Early Zen games again because they were brilliant. Um, we'll we'll go back there in a heartbeat, but we'll we'll get them booked in uh, and advertise well in advance so we can get new players there.
2: Yeah, you know, and that's something I hope we're getting. Uh, you know, in the next few months or maybe beginning of next year, we'll start seeing. You know, we've had some Firefight events in the U.S. and. You know, Rob and I have been talking a lot about doing a, um, like a counter charge con style weekend where we would run like a bunch of different, uh, Mantic tournaments. Uh, we've had stuff like that in the, you know, we have Adepticon obviously that Mantic's at, and then they had, um, a Manticon for a while, which was like different Mantic events, but we're we're trying to look at ways where we can get this going. I know in the West Coast, our dead zone scene is finally, as Kyle mentioned earlier, is is picking up. You know, Kyle and I are playing a lot of Firefight. I know uh, uh, some of the Pacific Northwest guys in the Seattle area are playing Firefight, so still hoping to um, get some organized play going for that once we. Uh, everyone gets their armies their armies put together and painted up. Well, so let's talk about let's do like the the plus delta. So, take away Elliot, what is one thing that really worked from uh your 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 event that you're definitely going to uh use moving forward? Is there anything that sticks out in your mind that just worked really well for someone wanting to run an organized firefight event?
1: Um I suppose it it was the or oh, the, the thing for us was the the, the limited prep time we had to do with it. it, it worked out of the book. There was no compact, no anything like that. It was just br- brand new players who were, really to, it just worked from kind of the get go. Um, didn't need to explain, didn't need to have a separate scoring system necessarily or any kind of explanation. It it, it was all just there for people to, to play with. And then your one takeaway as far as w- what needs to be worked on
2: moving forward, is that just sort of refining the, the score system? Score system,
1: scenario choice, maybe, um, and point level. Just as I say, just smoothing off a few round a few edges around balance. Um there was yeah, th- there was a few armies that definitely seemed to get hit hard with low points, six by four board. Any other
3: final questions for uh Elliot before we take a break, Kyle and Tyler? Yeah, what was the uh what was the round time for 1,000 points? What do you think is appropriate? Like you 1,000, know, 1,500, 2,000 points, how long do you think a round should be
1: Are You going so off we, your experience so far? We had two and a half hours, which was far too long, um, but that was on purpose. We, we yeah. just wanted people just to have to say, time to breathe and time to think and chat with each other. It's really tricky, actually, at 1,000 points. I, I I personally think you could fly through it in 90 minutes, um, but some people would wince when you suggest that. <laughs> I quite like quick clocks because I think it it makes different styles of game, and, and and I'm I don't really buy into the idea that it kills social time, but I think some people do think that. Um, we didn't use the chess clock, interestingly, for this because the rounds were so long. We knew they'd be over within the round time anyway, so they didn't need it. Yeah, I can't um,
4: imagine a single unit uh, surviving for two and a half hours in fire. No, exactly.
1: Um, <laughs> it's way too killy for that. And and chess clocks can be divisive for some people. Um, if you're not if you're not used to them, they can they can put people off. Um, so, so we we left them out of this one. I, I don't know is the answer. yet. I think we'd need to again feel it feel it as we, we go on. Um, I think next time I'd probably bring it down to two hours around rather than two and a half hours, uh, and kind of go from there and see what, what how people get on with it.
4: I do like the idea of having a clock to just keep people on their toes a bit. I think it adds a, a good element to the game of of not being a total Rob Berman, you know, and just overthinking your turns. So I think it makes a a good a good little pressure to to make sure you're making decisions and making you make bad decisions sometimes because you're thinking about the clock too. I I, yeah. I think that adds a lot of strategy.
2: Yeah, the clock is an interesting question which we hadn't touched on yet. Because in Kings, it makes absolute complete sense because you don't do anything during your opponent's turn, right? So it makes sense you just clock over and they play their whole turn and then they clock over. But in the games that I have back and forth, it's a little bit more clock it requires a little bit more clock engagement. Um, what do you what do you guys think about just in general clocks in the firefight? format are we are we going to want them are we going to need them or what are you guys thoughts on clocks I, I mean,
3: you can play with clocks right because your opponent doesn't do anything on their term besides movement models so it has that element but with kings the clock is nice because you're only moving you're doing a bunch of movements and then doing everything and then hitting your clock with with this game you're across the board more back and forth right and it's going to be it just adds an extra movement. It's like, I'm over here doing this, and I have to walk all the way back and hit my clock. And it's a lot more back and forth on the clock. And we've all been at tournaments where we forgot to hit the the clock button for our opponent or vice versa. So now when you're doing 100 more clock hits in, a, in one round than you would in a King's of War tournament, it can lead to more clock getting messed up.
4: Yeah, I feel like a round clock is probably really important, but I don't know about a, a chess clock for activation. I feel like that's a little too tedious. It yeah. would take it would take a lot of like it'd be a much harder sell, especially for trying to get new people into the game. You know?
1: Yeah, I, I would I would definitely agree. I think there's um I would like to believe we won't need it. I'm, I'm hoping that's kind of the way that ethos we we we're going to be playing this game a bit more is a bit more more casual, kind of not not the need for it. Um, yeah. But also the the impact as well like somebody can easily take half an hour a turn in kings of war and and take much longer than the than they should do in inverted commas in theory a single activation even if you take five minutes on it that's that's a much less of an impact than it is on taking a really long turn yeah it makes more sense to me to have just you know let's refine the round times
2: you know mm-hmm. to where we get a nice solid round time that allows you the time to finish but having watched you know where your uh, events where they are using clocks in this style of game, and you're clocking every time you're, you roll dice. You're clocking every time you know you got to b- b- send it back to your opponent or whatever it does. It, I, I think it is a little bit awkward. So my idea with this is to not have chess clocks, but at least but through try to have some some play testing and some thoughts on so that when we are giving time frames it's it's long enough i don't feel at all playing firefight like sometimes in kings you'll sit there for five or ten minutes just looking at the board being like crap what do i do whereas in firefight it's a lot of easy it's a little easier like i'm obviously got. i want to
4: use this unit first or do this that uh you i feel know. like it's a lot less planning and a lot more reacting yeah right because you don't know what your opponent's leads gonna to do. faster gameplay in terms of thinking it's more a, like, exactly oh exactly crap, right. a Tunneler just popped up behind me. I need to deal with it instead of like, <laughs> hmm, where should And you're I thinking move? about like you're thinking about okay, well when
2: do I want to, you know, about like how to, you know, am I using my command points to activate multiple things so I finish the first turn or I finish the turn first so I'll go first next round? Ah, uh Kyle's Giant Hammer Olympian Thor dudes uh in one of
3: our games. Uh-huh, those the guys. drop troopers, baby. Yeah, that's part of the dwarf list.
2: They like came down and then did a double thing. Oh man, it was crazy. minor
3: laser you, baby. Yeah, they, they they same thing to me in, in bed Zone when we played at Masters. Yeah, yeah, I just love it. I did, and it's funny. I, I, love I, it. I played that list like once before. Time, I'm like, oh, this would be a cool list to play. And you're like, it seems like you played against more. I'm like, oh, this is this bad. And I'm just dropping shit. I'm like, oh, the game is going I'm like this is this this is kind of an unfun thing to play against with this many guys dropping out of the sky. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> I still fried quite a few guys, though. I, I was oh yeah not, yeah, not upset with my. Uh,
2: you you murdered everybody but the one
3: guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I like, I do. I must say, I think it's a key to me. It's one of the keys to a sportsmanship in your uh, your mini pack. I see. We're here to have fun. Don't be a dick. So that's like the ultimate. Uh, uh, I think that's a good when you're asking how do I be a good sportsman. It's
1: don't be a d bag. So yeah, that, that, that that's our standard. Melvin um, <laughs> King's sporting. What section is that a suggestion <laughs> yeah. we, we, we we we've sat for a long time thinking about how do we write the sporting rules we, we looked at loads of codes of conduct and all those sort of places and all of them just boiled down to don't be a dick yeah <laughs> so and i think like that. that
2: makes sense to me it's like uh it's like that age old i know it when i see it so like for me when i see a bad sport it's like you know it you know what i mean just try to be a nice guy Uh, Just just roll eights, basically, is what I've learned and how to play in the Firefight universe. Uh, Just roll eights. It's an easy game. Well, awesome. We're going to take a quick break, and we come back on the other side. We're going to talk a little bit about the FAQ, uh, some of the questions that got asked and answered, and and some recent errata to the Firefight rulebook. So we'll be right back. This is Paige from
4: Singapore with the YouTube Battle Report channel Newbie Dice, and you're listening to Zan Shen Fan Ji.
0: Take delight in playing with friends and their toys in a safe place free of judgment. Countercharge after dark, it's where magic happens. Check the show notes and Facebook group announcements for the Discord link.
2: And we are Bag. so uh goodbye to elliot elliot had uh, uh some little uh, uh offspring he had to go manage it was cool to have elliot on the show to talk about organized firefight action so now kyle tyler and i are going to take a little look at the new faq that came out uh so the faq had some a rule book errata it had some forceless errata And it had a sort of Q&A section. So we're just going to sort of look at each of the sections of the FAQ, see if anything stood out to us. But mainly, I think it shows you to the cleanliness of the rules that this really isn't a a balance adjustment. This is really just like a a cleaning up of the language. And it's sort of, there are some little changes, but wouldn't you, would you guys say, but mostly this is just kind of like, okay, you guys have had the game for a little bit let's clean up some of
4: the language, let's answer some questions, but nothing really game-changing. Yeah, I definitely think that's the major takeaway. Um, you know, if somebody hasn't read the FAQ or the errata. it's not like they're going to be left in the dust. It's not like game-changingly crazy stuff happening left and right. It's all pretty in line with just like, oh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense, or, oh, I can see that working, and, and the Forceless thing being like, oh, that's kind of cool, I can do this now. But it's not, not going to be like a, a giant meteor of change, so no one freak out it's 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 a good good thing for the game
3: is that sort of your takeaway kyle too oh yeah yeah it's the same it's looking through it a lot of it was like oh this yeah that's how i read the rule but i understand why they need clarification for it and uh we'll get to it there's a couple things i thought was interesting it's like okay it's uh that's how this is gonna go that's fine as we go through the rules but for the most part it wasn't uh I i was personally hoping for a little bit more changes in the army lists just you know balancing a bit but I I completely understand why they didn't want to do that immediately the game's still pretty new out there and there's not a whole ton of uh like tournaments or anything to go off of so making balance changes now might have been uh, too much too early. Yeah. Well some of the stuff
2: that stood out to me looking in the in the first section was uh there was a slight change to previously to being counted on a hill you just had to have your leader model on the hill and now it's when able, you're you're gonna you need to have as many of your models on the hill as possible, which I thought was a little interesting. That does sort of affect your um, how you deploy or how you move around hills, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a slight difference, but it is going to be a difference on how you're actually moving in the game when you're around a hill.
4: Yeah, exactly. It just makes it a little bit easier to understand, you know, where the unit should be and what can be seen and what it can see, kind of thing. Cause a lot of the unit leader stuff is for the unit to be able to see out and shoot stuff. But then, you know, you're able to see units from anywhere. So it's not like you have to see the unit leader to shoot at the unit. So it does matter in terms of like having a lot of other dudes to have them on the Hill is good. That way you can't cheese the fact that, you know, you're able to shoot off the Hill, but no one's able to really shoot you.
2: Yeah. So it's just, to me, it just sounds like a, a little cleanliness makes, makes sense. The one change I did
3: I did like a lot that I actually experienced before the FAQ came out was if you're a uh, retreating model from a combat you lost, uh normally if you end up within 1 inch of, you know, you're trapped you the model, the unit just dies. But I had a walker lose a combat that took a wound and didn't do any wounds back and it got it got thrown back into a bunch of uh, GCPS conscripts and trapped by them. And so like this almost full health walker just got obliterated. And I was like that kind of sucks and then the faq change it to now you have to have some kind of anti-tank weapon in the trapping unit to uh kill a retreating vehicle from a close combat which makes a lot more sense yeah especially for annoying stuff
4: like murder birds that can attack flyers and yeah. not do a single point of damage but still make them retreat like that kind of thing makes a lot of sense so, so that just
2: makes sense right like you said it so just it,
4: makes sense it just yep. makes sense
2: so it, it, you're not going to lose a, a tank to a unit that can't hurt tanks You know what I mean? Like, oh, my gosh, I can't go anywhere but drive over these little crappy vermin whatever dudes. I'm dead. Now you're just like you push them back. Yeah, so definitely that was a big one. Um, I thought the clarification around command and faction orders not allowing uh, units to exit or enter a vehicle you know just you know uh so because again that's an area for i'm going to use a faction order to get my guy out of the vehicle and then now they're going to do this so they're because they're not in the vehicle anymore you know what i mean so like i think that's just a nice clarification
4: yeah it takes out some of the possible cheese that you could try to do by you know trying to really ring out the rules and exploit it for all it's worth kind of thing so that's always that's always good
3: I will say this though, Jeremy. I, I, I've taught you wrong with one thing, and okay. uh, it, it was in the rule book. So it's not even the FAQ, but it reminded me of that. So your black talon is dropping from orbit to kill everything. Yes, they cannot be given an order if they didn't start the turn. Their turn on the board. Oh, interesting. And the same thing with the black talon leader. He can't do his double shoot thing if he t- if he does his uh, aerial aerial deployment. Uh oh, so it, is
2: that just like an aerial deployment thing on the turn that it arrives, you can't give it uh a-
3: well it's it's a command thing. That's something I completely missed. Like but going back in the rules, I saw people on Facebook posting about it. I'm like, oh wow, I've been doing that wrong.
2: Uh-huh. Oh, so oh, if oh a unit aerial is not, deployment is an order.
3: No, aerial deployment is not an order, it's just oh. for orders in general. If you read the orders uh-huh. section, it says a unit can only be given an order. And one of the caveats is it must start its turn on the board. So if you're coming from Uh, off the board for any reason you cannot be given an order so
2: like dropping my uh black talons and doing all my shoot three three thousand separate times although that was pretty like that was pretty ridiculously good so uh, so
3: you can still drop them down and shoot you won't get the benefits now one way you can get around that is arrow deployment lets you instead of using that arrow deployment you can basically scout for free uh uh-huh so you could just have them scout up that first turn okay and the next turn jump over because they had the speed to do that or you could also like have that unit leader do the scout where he can easily for him to hide uh-huh. and then turn to drop your black talons down. And then because he's starting to turn on the board, he can move up and then do that aura to have them shoot again.
4: Got yeah, it. And that's, that's an important point. To, and it's not just for, you know, Jeremy's black talons. It applies for, uh, like, GCPS rangers. It applies yeah. for, uh, Veerman tunnelers. There's a lot of different things that can, are the, the hammer fist guys for the uh, Forge Fathers. So it's, it's a good rule to just kind of limit the power of aerial deployment or yeah. subterranean or whatever you want to call it, uh, depending on what direction you're coming from, I guess. Um, but I think it's yeah, it's an important note. No, totally, and it totally makes sense too,
2: right? And that's the thing is like when you're when you're playing a new game, you're always and when you're playing a new game that it's new for everyone. It's not like you're entering the we're entering firefight and there's you know all these youtube videos and dash 28 articles or whatever you know what i mean we're all coming into the game sort of at the same sort of new spot that we're gonna get that kyle's gonna cheat i mean that's just like oh wait that's just we know that that's gonna happen so even though that was like my advantage so i guess it's
3: it's i'm the real cheater here in the story no i, uh, I want to be the one that cheated because that means i won either yeah way. <e- either way you still, you still, either way i win <laughs> and you're still, you still killed
2: all my stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you were able to still win when I was cheating. So uh, it shows your
3: superiority. So Yep, that's exactly what I was going for.
2: And then also it seems like there's a lot of language about cleaning up uh, around weapon choices for leaders and unit leaders in general about, you know, which models in a unit can take certain weapon upgrades. So it definitely seems like they're trying to create
4: consistent language around... Uh, leaders and units. And this, this is ultimately my favorite change in the um, errata and, and you know, force bliss stuff is just the fact that you're able to take at least in some squads. It's not for all squads. You still can't, you know, max out every leader in the game to have the best weapons, which I think is important because you still want to have like the, the heavy weapons guys be the heavy weapons guys. So you still want your leaders to be leaders. But there's sometimes where it's like, man, my leader should be as good, if not better than you know, whoever they're with. Um, and so this is a really good change. Pretty much almost every single uh, faction gets at least one of these where instead of the leader having to have like the generic equipment, now they're able to take some heavy options, which I think is, like I said, really, really healthy for the game. And and also modeling wise, it's like I want to use my Matsudan and Ashi with the double swords. Like he should be my leader. He looks awesome. So now I can do it. so i'm I'm all for it. And this, like I said, it, it applies to a lot of different you know things. Anything else stand out before we move on to force
2: lists? Anything else stand out to you guys and just the basic rules errata portion of the FAQ? It's
3: pretty straightforward. Like I said, most of the stuff was as I read it, so there wasn't any big changes or surprises.
4: yeah, they they rewrote smoke to be a little bit more clear, a little bit more concise in terms of exactly how it works. Um, but it's really not fundamentally different or anything. It's just rewritten to be a little bit more clear. Other than that, yeah. I think it's about cool. all I got.
2: Um, now, for the force lists, one thing I did saw sort of in the um, the beginning of it, because it's like, affects my army, uh, the no charger command now affects uh, uh, pistols. Because I always thought it was weird that you give that and your commander who has a pisser in certain units doesn't get anything. So now basically the uh, the pistols are twin rifles or the pistols can be affected by that boosting no no weapons, which is a nice a, a nice, slight little change. But um, what for you guys, anything jump out at you from the force list errata portion of the FAQ? I
3: think a lot of it was just kind of going or that new ruling about giving leaders weapons. And stuff yeah, to right. Kind of Gave your leaders more options to get, to get things. So it was a lot of kind of just rewriting stuff to – to go with that rule more than anything else.
2: And it looks like some units got different, have slightly different, either the, the, the points maybe for a weapon had gone up slightly or certain, uh, 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 weapons teams have, uh, access to like a different weapon here or there, but it's all like super basic stuff, right?
3: Well, that was another thing too, is the Ford observer, which is like one of the best, uh, leader units in the game for GCPS and, uh, enforcers, his stealthy aura doesn't affect vehicles, which I think is good. Cause that, okay. You know, it was kind of weird for me to, it was very counterintuitive. <laughs> like, yeah. why is this, why is this strider all of a sudden invisible yeah. <laughs> or even worse? Why is this flyer? like <laughs> stealthy?
4: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that was a good geo-trans. change. That was, uh, that was very powerful. And then, yeah, just some cleanup kind of stuff. Like the Ripper warlord is a bulky guy now. Cause you know, all the other yeah. Ripper guys are bulky. So it's like, whoops, <laughs> probably should have been all along. Um, yeah, n- nothing too crazy, honestly. I I just like the uh, the cleanliness of the game in general because it's. I feel like this, this FAQ really kind of shows off that there wasn't a whole lot of crazy changes, which is good. That means that the game isn't. A- yeah, and no, well.
2: like no changes to uh, you know what we would say is maybe like. And now that you guys have played some few games, I mean we've talked a little bit about some stuff that might be too good, right? We've talked about riot troopers or maybe some flyer spam or whatever so i think the game is re- from what i've seen is is pretty balanced for the most part but they definitely in this are we're like we're not even going to go there let's just c- continue our mission of getting everyone a very clean rule book a very yeah, so clean core rule book so and then we we'll the about changes
4: later for the, yeah for the next book coming out so yeah. whenever they update and then you know kind of replace the forceless book with updated stuff with new goodies and you know, Clash of Kings style. At, sure, I think that's the the roadmap, at least for for Firefight in general, from everything I've heard. So, save the big changes for later. For now, just clean up the little nitpicky things. So you're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, give our give our leaders some good guns, some good weapons. I like that.
2: I I did like the they had an FAQ uh uh to sort of bo- uh, bookend the the fact at the very end. And there was some really good questions. There were some questions that I had that got answered. One, can a unit benefit from more than one order during a round? Because in the rulebook, it talks about a unit can only be affected by one order at a time during its activation, et cetera. So I was like, well, can a unit give itself an order? And then later in the game, can someone else give them an order? P for Asterians, you do that all the time, right? You, a unit will do an order, then later I'm using orders to give them shields back or whatever. So basically, they clarify that a unit can be affected by different orders throughout the turn, but during an activation, it can only be affected by one order at a time. But that, So then that makes a lot of sense to me uh, as far as clearing up some of the language around um, orders or, or can you move into an order to be you know affected by them? Uh, just the idea of orders are issued at the point that they would take effect. So I felt some of the answers around questions and answers around or, or auras and orders was just nice clarifying stuff.
4: Yeah. yeah, That's, that's a big one. Cause you know, you don't want to limit the fact that you're able to shoot because you know, one of your guys happened to boost your shields nearby. You know, like I feel like that's, that was never intended. So it's good to have it written out clearly in black and white to be like, yes, that's okay. That's not, you know, abusing the system. Whereas it's not like you're throwing, you know, four of your orders at the same guy to make him do, you know, crazy stuff. That's not part of this game. So it is a good clarification for sure.
2: And I do like they clarified about stacking as far as resilient. They give the example of do modifiers stack, you know, if, a uh, people are within like multiple medics or a medic and feel no pain that all those resilience can stack on each other. So I think that that's good. Just clarify because we've had those questions, right? Kyle wondering about, you know, well, is this armor piercing stacking or is it itself or are they gaining, you know, iron resolve are resilient too, or is it two plus what they already have? So, you know what I mean? So I think some good clarification there. Yeah. I do think though that,
3: that, resilient being able to stack like you can have the command aura and then the medic resilient stack on top of that as long as it's not two auras going together there can be some some nasty um resilient auras going around for enforcers because they can resilient
2: uh, combos you mean of just like super
3: they can get a lot of medics on the board easily and they have that to start off with resilient twos you can have easily resilient three four across most Uh. of the army uh for not much investment so that in, resilient is one of the best rules in the game i don't know why if i if i have to re-roll for resilient it's not going to wound it just oh does, yeah it doesn't happen. it's like it's,
2: it's like <laughs> oh i gotta i gotta fail my headstrong roll here hold on give me a second you know yeah.
3: it's the same deal i need a two to wound you uh on a resilient i'm gonna roll the one in the second roll. Yeah. i just know
2: it <laughs> yeah so we'll see and how he, that he, he, shakes out yeah. Anything else? And then they, again, a bunch of questions around smoke, which is always good. And then and the clarification from smoke. And I think that's a part of the game that I think is going to be super key to certain armies that I haven't even really experimented with that much because my army doesn't have smoke. But I really imagine that the good plague players, the good, uh, you know, the 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 people who who can really strategize and use smoke to their advantage is going to be one of those. <laughs> Uh, high, uh, you know, uh, higher level play elements that for yeah. people get to know in the next few months. What do you guys think about that? So,
4: I've, I'm just going to put it this way: I've played two games with Adam Ballard, and Adam Ballard loves smoke. U.S. Master Adam Ballard loves smoke in this game. Chocking, <laughs> right? So then that yeah. means if, if he loves it, then it must be a good rule. So <laughs> let me just let me going. just put it that way. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. It can really channel your forces into where they want to go and, and force your opponent not to be able to shoot things at certain times it's not the most reliable thing which is great because you can't you know 100% guarantee it every time but it can really shape the battlefield in a different way and i i haven't actually experimented at all with toxic smoke which i find interesting for sure because there's definitely times where if a smoke goes off in front of you or in front of your opponent or whatever there is the opportunity to kind of run through it but if it was toxic smoke i would not do that you know so uh, i don't know um overall smoke is for sure where the the chaff gets separated from the wheat i think i think that's going to be huge in terms of uh objective play and in getting your forces up the board in a lot of cases yeah that in command
2: what i've noticed in my first i think i've played four or five games but command uh command point order what's the word i'm looking for Oh, like your economy, like your command point economy. Okay, yeah. You know, like how how you manage that resource is really important. Am I using it for orders? Am I using it like in a game that Kyle and I had, he was really smart in making sure that he knew all the orders he wanted to give and then all the double activations so that he could use the orders he wanted and then also finish moving his stuff first so that he could go first on the following turn. You know, so I think that to me, that's another area that's a uh, uh, skill in firefight is learning about how you use their orders. Like making sure with, when I'm doing my hysteria, Hysterians, trying to anticipate when he's going to ding my shield so that I can activate something and to give my shields back. You know, because again, you're wanting to take the shields down with the crappy weapons and then shoot the missile launchers at the Spectra with no shields. You yes. know, so it's like, how do I make that harder to do? uh, in, knowing, and that's what, that's why I think all it's so much deep strategy in firefight is how you activate things is so important. And so I think that's definitely a, an element to, to, cause I'm thinking about, you know, as I play this game, I'm starting to learn the basic rules. So now what's next, right? I got the basic rules down. Now what's the next area of the game that I need to start thinking about and refining my play. So the, the command order, uh, and activation double activation stuff that i think is like a, your first area of study basically any other things from the um q a guys that stood out to you anything stand out to you
4: not necessarily stand out i do want to okay. remodel maybe a couple of my uh my model models for the uh skyscrapers for the marauders because now they can take cool weapons
3: yeah a lot of cool um, yeah i was do you have you uh made the news uh skyscraper kit yet yeah, it's the best one in the whole
4: uh, Marauder range. Are, are the sure. arms swappable with the plastic kit? 100%. Swappable. Perfect. All right, cool. Yeah, it's like literally idea? the exact same dimensions and like
3: you can switch out heads, arms, all of it. It's uh, super cool. Awesome. I was, I was hoping for that because I was like, they gave them all these options, but the only thing they can get it from is a plastic kit. So I really hope the plastic kit works fits. So. Yeah,
4: yeah, it fits perfectly and actually just makes me want to get more of the skyscraper models. Yeah.
2: yeah, those Marauder models are nice. <laughs> really really like like I, have, I I'm going to be honest. Like, I love a lot of the Esterian stuff, but putting together the Marionettes, they're not like super like uh, skirt lifting so far yeah. for me, but they're okay. But I love some of the other stuff. But the Marauders, uh, man, that is a really nice range.
3: Yeah, it's yeah, cool. It's, it's, they have a lot. They, the Manic's doing a really good job with their sci fi stuff and yeah. and, he's, and their Kings of War stuff too. All, all the recent armies have a lot of, and they're going more plastic kits. I love, yeah. I love plastic kits. So
2: I did have a moment last night, though, and, prepared, and I was getting ready for Firefight episode and like doing some stuff, and I had Lord of the Rings on in the background, and I just imagined Brinton in his Saruman cosplay going to Kyle in his shirtless orc cosplay. Of being like build me an army and then I'm just pulling plastic models out of sacks in the ground yeah yeah exactly you're ripping <laughs> sacks out of the ground and like you know do cleaning mold lines and building the drums, all his, drums like. start playing yeah you know building his uh uh building his army so well awesome so yeah i think it's a pretty good you know i think we tried to pull out a couple of things that were interesting but again i think the the faq was mostly just around clarifying some stuff tweaking tweaking a little bit is there anything moving forward uh you know you know we're probably a little bit away from the first balance patch but now that we've all played we've had the game now for a couple months we played the games is there anything that's really jumping out at you guys as being like maybe this is a little too good or maybe this is not good enough or or is there any sort of that initial take around armies and balance that you think might need to be looked at here you know if they do the first sort of balance balance so uh... this is this is
4: by no means a big deal whatsoever but it is well documented and well known and everybody sees it that in the forge father list the missile launcher is better than the magma cannon every possible way but they cost the same points everybody knows this relax they'll take care of it later just know that everybody knows <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think I think it, it was originally balance that the missile launcher didn't have move and shoot like it was a heavy weapon. That was the balancing factor and then they got rid of it last second before they went to print and yeah.
2: <laughs> so we're saying that that that, that it, it, the missile launcher that actually shoots Thor's hammer at you, like yeah. multiple M- Molniers are being shot at you is maybe a little too good is what we're what we're saying.
3: I don't know if it's too good. Not I mean not like, even too
2: good.
4: It's just,
3: yeah.
4: it's just compared to the Magma Cannon. The Magma Cannon just doesn't hold a candle to it, unfortunately. So okay, yeah. but it is it is a known thing. It'll get fixed. Yeah. So um, the magma cannon
3: will probably drop in points or get more AP or probably probably sure. more shots. Maybe that's what yeah, you balance it, something like
0: that.
4: But yeah, in terms of like um, you know, big sort of sweeping changes and things, uh, I don't think there's anything that stands out as necessarily like truly horrible, untakeable, or ridiculously op has to take every time which is a good thing this is and i I do mean that honestly there's definitely like commanders and stuff that aren't as good but i feel like that's in every game you know you're gonna have the ones that are a little better the ones that are a little worse but i feel like nothing is truly untakeable like oh my god what are you doing are you trying to
3: throw the game kind of units i do think the enforcer bomber is just too good for its points and it kind of it because it does everything it it has a high rate of uh, a high amount of firepower with the d4 bombs that's also anti tank with high ap and it's just the best the best horde clearing heavy infantry clearing and vehicle killing vehicle in the game especially with that order for way to fire two and vicious it just cleans up too much stuff by itself disagree and there's not a whole lot of anti-air in the game to take care of it and there's ways, even if you do pin it with anti-air, and because it has five wounds, so it's hard to take out in a couple shots. There's plenty of ways the enforcers can get rid of that pin marker, too. And it just works normally next round. So I, I think if the bomber got switched up to either... Because they have an anti-tank laser uh, version of the flyer, which I think is appropriately costed and, and works. But if you kind of make that blast weaponry more heavy anti-infantry without the anti-tank... Or you give it like or a lower c- AP, yeah, yeah. Or you give it like bunker buster bombs. Because uh, I think in the first version of Firefight, it had that. You had a choice between either like very high AP, low shot count uh, bunker busters, or like a more kind of HE bomb loadout. You had to pick between one. one
2: Make it other. so that you have to kit it out to be a little bit more anti infantry or anti-armor. It can't really do all be everything to everyone.
3: Yeah, yeah. Just, just it's not so easy mode. Push forward. Yeah, I agree. destroy everything. For sure. And then, um, you know, Plague, Plague in
4: general are, are one of the more difficult lists to play. But I do feel like the sure. Plague Lord might be a little bit too good, uh, which yeah. kills me a little bit. It's just Plague's access to getting absolutely insane amounts of command dice and command dice that are on commanders that actually do things. It's not like you're wasting, you know, it's not like you're, you're making that big sacrifice to get an amazing commander Dice, but then your commanders also not doing anything all game. Like plague, get best of both worlds on that as they get insane. Their
2: commanders are like killing people and getting orders.
4: Yeah, Uh, and the fact that there's no limit on how many like stage ones or aberrations you can take, uh, or not aberrations, uh, corruptions because they all add to the dice pool too. I I feel like that might need to be tweaked a little bit just because
3: they're a little bit crazy. I think plague is one of those armies that if you it's your first armor, and you're playing the game. It can be really difficult to play with, uh, just because there's very little shooting, and it just it handles things differently. But once you get good at it, and you do smoke a lot, and plague wars get to the, it's just they can they can murder things real fast. So because you
4: can it, you can roll literally like fourteen command dice every turn. Yeah, it's all. I mean, <laughs> you know, other other factions are literally rolling like four. You know, like yeah, if you're playing Forge Fathers, you're like, oh, I'm trying to figure out how to fit four in <laughs> yeah. here,
0: and they're yeah.
4: rolling literally fourteen. like, well, I can't actually activate again because I've already activated everything twice. It's like, oh, God. yeah, <laughs> a little crazy. But you know, it's still first edition, essentially. Yeah.
2: yeah. And these are like we were saying that maybe in the uh, uh, certain matchups can be game game breaking, but in general for that first like I say, it's a it's a new edition, but it's like a new edition, first edition, because it really yeah. is a new game. I think I think it's pretty it it it's not it's it's not like it was released and then immediately banned in the yeah, whole no. country.
4: You know what I mean? So yeah, it's it's not like we're seeing on facebook people saying like oh this game isn't fun at all because this person took one thing and i lose yeah it, it's yeah. not like that at all so that's that's always good
3: i do think like it's it's at a really good point now where like going to tournaments with the intention of let's have a good time and play a bunch of people and see what yeah. happens it's perfect for that if you have people who are there's, there's always that guy who's looking to power game this yeah there is some combos they can pull off where it's gonna be a not great time yeah but just you know those people suck and the yeah. game's not at that point. There's the, the game's yeah. not at the point yet where you can, where like Kings of War, you can take some really fine-tuned lists and still have a really fun game, right? Yeah, as long I as, just as want play, to bring three the Iron Ancestors, you know that's all I want. I just want yeah. to bring three Iron Ancestors. Yeah. So it's it, it's at the it's getting close there, but I think another year or so when they have a, a, the big rebalance of armies, I think yeah. then the game will be at a point where you can really take super fine-tuned lists and still have a good time at a tournament
2: and 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 i'm hoping that like we're at the you know the the organized play scene will also evolve right together so that once we have enough people to have that style of event the rules will be there for us whereas now we're trying to just like how do we get game days going you know how do we get you know some organized play you know how do we get our first sort of events so i feel like the organized play scene can also grow, just like how the game grows with rules and stuff. The how how we're getting together and playing will
4: also continue to grow. So I was gonna say the main takeaway from all this is just rereading, you know, the rules and things just makes me want to go play. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. I really oh. just wanna just wanna get some models on the table. And I wanna keep painting up my stuff.
2: And on that note, we'll, we'll take a quick break and when you come back on the other side, we'll wrap up the show, talk about what our future firefight plans are and what we got on the agenda coming up. We'll be right back.
4: This is the spy Master, Dojo's Everyman, Handsome Tom Annis, and you're listening to Countercharge.
1: Hello, this is Duncan Rhodes from the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy, and I hope you're about to apply a second thin coat just there whilst you're listening to Countercharge.
2: Okay, we are back. Well, awesome fellas, another uh, great firefight episode, super fun. I'm thinking uh, the next episode we do, we maybe start entering into the, the, the faction reviews. Sure. I think we've we've probably been with the game now a little bit longer. You know, we, we were we are not wanting to do full faction reviews right off the bat because we're still learning the armies and learning the games ourselves. So I'm thinking maybe we put a, a poll up on the counter charge Facebook page. That'd be cool. Yeah. And, and we just ask people like, what is your what faction do you want us to cover first? And we'll just do a, you know, we'll we'll look at all the different uh, you know, troop support, all the different, you know, uh units in that list we'll talk items we'll talk uh, builds strategies you know so stay tuned for the poll on the counter facebook page looking at what what faction we'll do our first deep dive in but uh, as far as uh moving forward uh tyler do you have any more uh battle reports planned or what's going what's coming up with uh your youtube channel or so what's on your uh next couple of months your radar
4: uh, yeah, I'm going to keep expanding forces and keep painting stuff. I've been, like I said, back into a kick and I've, now I'm down the dangerous rabbit hole of wanting to expand my Veermin to be a bazillion points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm definitely kind of going down that, that, uh, that path currently in terms of getting games actually played. It's been a little bit tougher lately. Uh, my buddy Trent moved to Germany and he, I was just getting him into firefight. Now he's gone. He's nah, I feeling. Uh, <laughs> he sucks then, yeah I, I hate him because i love him you know? he's dead
2: to me you got to give him the, the the fredo kiss you know and then
0: yeah, he's, get on a boat. he's
4: totally dead to me until he comes back for bug eaters and masters and i'm like oh
0: Trey, buddy.
3: <laughs>
4: so that's been tough and then uh tim has been actually you know working he's not just doing substitute teaching he's got a real teaching gig so he's been a lot more busy lately <laughs> so that has been tough um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get stuff out when, when we're able to, we'll, we'll definitely film some more content. I mean, that's always kind of been my philosophy with my YouTube channels. I just do it when I can. It's, that's why I don't ask anybody for like Patreon or anything like that. Cause I don't, I don't promise anything. So I can't, uh, I can't be accountable for all that, but I, so I would love feel to guilty
2: then if you don't do a video for a month or whatever.
4: Yeah, <laughs> actually in terms of videos on my channel, though, something I've been wanting to do is, is, um, I want to show off my forge father's army, especially now that I got that. Juggernaut finished off because um, he was kind of like my last thing I haven't painted and I, I finally did it so um, I can probably do a just kind of a cool little army showcase kind of thing for that army because I'm really proud of it and it's enormous it's like 5,000 points almost Holy moly. <laughs> <Nice>. Yeah, that's <laughs> so killer. I'm, I'm really proud of that I'll, I'll probably have to show that off because I, I don't see myself expanding that one a whole ton from here I mean who knows especially if there's a new book with awesome cool stuff you never uh-huh. know but uh overall i think that's that's one video i would like to do a showcase for i did that for my plague forever ago i'd like to do that for the forge fathers and then in terms of battle reports just hopefully being able to play at some point because Uh this game's fun and now i'm in the now i'm in the swing of things i really want to run the uh the four walker the three iron ancestor one juggernaut you know, just madness walker list for the Forge Fathers. And then all this, uh, Veerman stuff I'm painting up, I really want to get them on the table and start messing around with smoke and all that. So, so is that Hopefully. Forge Fathers list, the, the come at me, bro
2: list, basically?
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the, we're we're going to walk. Yeah. It's got like one <laughs> of each walker, and it's like, all right we're doing this <laughs> that's that's kind of the plan
2: oh i love oh man see this is the thing it's like i got all these bases and i'm like okay i got my color scheme for my hysterians and then you start talking iron ancestors and i start thinking about like ooh, those are kind of cool maybe yeah. i'll do forge <laughs> and, and then i start thinking my my gcps motorcycle and i know rob rob wants to get in on some firefight action he may join us in the future episode he's got his gcps out in his uh hobby area putting together right now and he's got just like one one of everything as in in, in pure rob fashion
4: yeah i've so. been talking him through quite a bit of it i oh, cool. him a, a yeah. list and i've been trying to get him you know thinking in the right ways you know thinking about guns instead of swords yes <laughs> uh, uh, no i'm really excited too i know
2: kyle and i have been getting a lot of tabletop simulator and i'm really hoping to get down there um for the next Surgeon Destroy game day that I can make it there. Kyle will actually have to get some on-the-table firefight going. Uh,
3: yeah, well, we'll probably definitely have Dead Zone stuff set up. Like, uh, It seems like our group really likes that. Yeah. Firefight, there's people who have it. Uh, it we haven't played a whole lot of that. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I'm down.
2: I like I have a, I mean, I to get, I mean, I
3: yeah, I played it a few times now, but just I haven't
2: played it in person yet. Yeah. And so, in
3: person is always, always fun. Uh,
2: yeah. And, well, and also I just love, uh, uh, you know, Kyle and I always have so much fun playing games together. So yeah, I'm just like super, super, uh, we have this thing. I love it. It's like my favorite part of Kyle and I playing, which is like when you roll, when you have a really hot role, I think I mentioned this on the show before, but you go like, Oh, good player. Because yeah, that's what skill, baby. So like Yeah, skill, skill. Oh, I hit, you, I hit you with all three of my cannons six times or whatever? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, let's just, so we'll be in a tournament together and I'll heal in the background, good player, baby. And then I know that <laughs> Kyle just did some dice nonsense. You yeah. know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. But. So what about you, Kyle? What's on your uh, agenda over the next little bit?
3: Well, I did the uh, Blackjack Legacy had that uh, firefight uh, slow grow thing. So I'm painting the Forge Fathers for that oh nice so that's always fun i got I'm, I'm i'm that guy who who builds a million things and then it comes time to paint and i'm like oh well, yeah you know so i have the slogan things nice and i have to paint that but a bunch of other stuff i want to paint but then i'll paint a couple models and go that's cool now do it 80 more times and i'm like, nah. and like no thanks <laughs> Can i just build another army instead like <laughs> i love building everything so so doing that for britain helps too but also we had the of tournament coming up in Reno in a couple yes. weeks. Yes. Jackalins, so right? To, yeah. So I want to kind of update the paint job a little bit on my, uh, basilians just to kind of, you know, that, that crew is always awesome to hang out with. And they're, they did it. They had a tournament, uh, just this weekend. Uh, I forgot where refugees, we're, refugees, and they yeah, did really uh, well on that. Yeah. So, uh, and I got, I think Sean, a little bit too.
2: Sean, Blake and Nick were in the top three. For yeah. refugees, so I think Sean won again on his his uh, farewell tour of his Twilight Ken. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, congrats to those guys. They did again. They did awesome. Ben Stoddard, Refugees of the Old World, amazing tournament. But yeah, it's we had really cool uh,
3: trophies too. I'm not sure if he saw the trophies, but the trophies. Oh, players, dude, his awesome. trophies
2: are always the bomb. He yeah. paints them and makes them himself. Yeah, he is the to me what I want at a tournament as I want as cool swag as possible, and Ben is like the master of swag.
4: Yeah, so. and he knows that his tournament's in the middle of God knows nowhere, yeah. So, so he's he got to like it <laughs> worth it. he makes it worth it to, to get out there. It, it was oh, a yeah, really good event. Went, I wish were, I, yeah, wish you were refugees gone,
2: last, last year. You and uh, and uh Garrett, Garrett came I mean, out, we, yeah. We, I played you actually, that was fun. yeah. I do remember that, uh huh. Yes, yeah, so we have uh, Jackalopes Fall, which uh, both Kyle and I will be uh, t- uh reminding ourselves why uh, Basalia can't win tournaments. So I'll be playing. <laughs> I'll be playing Vesalia too and I'm just going full ad, full hog so I'm taking my riddle of steel list, or not my uh, Bay of Kings list and I'm just adding my dragon so it's going to be dragon uh, Julius Olohi. I'm doing literally the same thing did,
4: see, let's go that, because of the <laughs> <laughs> so
2: we're just going to look at each other and, and, and be the first time when we're like kyle i bounced because that's what happens in that list yeah, yeah. <laughs> is as soon as you bounce you're screwed so it's uh okay maneuver maneuver charge your entire army do i bounce or do i kill you know and then that's your whatever so i'm gonna bring my 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 cool big dragon so it'll be dragon julius double knights alohi regiments girl panthers some ogres as like your second line punch but a uh, uh, great uh comic kingdom, a great store in Reno. A, great a really great group of guys. Uh, I'll be staying at um, the El Dorado. I did well last time there gambling, so they gave me a free room, and I'm getting the like the pimp nice. daddy suite. So nice. uh, yeah, yes. I got
3: like the premium room. That reminds me, Jeremy, that uh, yes. I know you're you're a big fan of craps. Yes, and I was in uh, Vegas last weekend coaching a wrestling tournament. And uh-huh. uh, one of the guys I was coaching with is also big into craps. So we had time to burn. Oh, nice. And uh, I learned how to play craps now. Oh, so, cool. <laughs>
4: craps is too rich for my blood. I, I played well, I was two dollar craps. I was, and then I was I'm like, playing Damn. I'm like, at least I don't lose money when I roll like crap. <laughs> like,
3: yeah, <laughs> <the war. yeah. laughs> it's funny. It's like, I understand 2D6 dice probabilities, right? Okay. Exactly. I always, that's why <laughs> another,
2: another thing I liked
3: about craps is it always
2: is you roll dice. So I always felt like I should be better at it somehow and you're not right but yeah. <laughs> in my mind I'm saying like I should be like the world championship like of craps for how much dice I've rolled in my life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every
4: every time I play Kings of War I just think thank god I'm not putting money on this
3: oh yeah I hate cuz
4: my but... <laughs> cuz my my nerve dice are just horrendous well I and mean, craps <laughs> is just craps is like a really uh just inherently as a game
2: is is real swingy like you can win a lot or lose a lot so uh but it's fun I like it you know and to me it's just like i do a little bit when i go to reno enough to try to next time i go to get a free hotel room so uh but yeah it's a super fun event anyone who's in the greater you know who who wants to make the trip out of reno those are great guys a great game store yeah so we have that tournament um coming up here soon uh a couple weekends so uh should be interesting to see uh did you decide, Kyle, so part of that tournament, you get to pick either a flying monster or a foot monster that's the jackalope or the warple twinger or whatever. Yeah. Which one are you taking?
3: Well, last year when I won the tournament, I had my dwarves and I took the uh, the, the regular walking one. Uh-huh. But now that I have this Basilia list, I think it's most appropriate to bring the flying one. And yes. also I have because uh, I used to take Phoenixes in version two of my Basilian really list when they're on the 50 millimeter base. So I have a giant eagle oh, on a so 50 millimeter base. Your, and your, I was your like, of your Yeah, too. this fits the arm. Like, why would I yeah, <laughs> we'll just go with yeah, that. Son, it
2: fits the army. it already hunter.
1: exists. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna take the piece the basically the flying version is kind of like a Ur Hilohi or give it's like a 1517 flying monster hero. So I'm just like, I'm of your mind. I'm going to take that so that I'll have the double alohi regiments, I'll have Julius, I'll have a dragon, and I'll have that flying thing. And I'm just going to push my stuff forward and be like, dude, I'm charging you turn two, and then we're going to just roll some dice. <laughs> Deal with it.
3: Oh yeah, you know. I just <laughs> want to beat up all the Ogre players because they have a lot of Ogre players there. Paul's not going to yeah. be there unfortunately because he's trying to be a doctor in New Orleans. Boom. I know, trying to save lives. Oh, uh, <laughs> but like, Ogres is always a rough matchup for my Dwarves, but I think it's a better matchup with my basilians because i can dictate the charge so i just i don't care if i lose every game but beat every ogre player that's all i care about this right. year <laughs> vengeance gotta, for my you know, dwarves.
2: you just gotta bring around like face cut out beef masks and then give it to all <laughs> the ogre players there and then just get revenge and be like just so every time you beat ogres you're beating beef, so. <laughs> um, well and how about the new mantic ogres man god they look oh, I'm, so good i I've been telling yeah. people
3: for years, I'm waiting for them to come out with a plastic kit with uh, thick boy legs. And they did. Oh uh, yeah. They look so
2: good. My they nipples are so hard good, right but now,
4: I'm,
3: i i'm so split
4: because i have so many of the other ones yeah like, i don't yeah, really need more i have like six thousand points i'm like come on that's a rough choice yeah those yeah. are bush league numbers come on <laughs> the, like the, do i do yeah, i need, need to expand numbers. and then they're like well in this red book you can play 12 bajillion point games i'm like uh-huh. oh, well, oh, oh and dude have you guys gets? actually looked at the a
2: lot of the rules that they have in the legendary game section rob and i were talking about this on an episode that's not out yet either but all of the custom how you can make like the austin kerrigan uh picture frame creature can, you could actually like make rules for that based <laughs> yeah. on its base size and then like you can a lot of rules about making your own monster yeah i i think the new big red book people are are, are whatever i think it's amazing lots of cool yeah. stuff in there i'm dying to get it i'm still waiting <laughs> i finally got mine just uh on friday from troll horde where'd you order yours from
4: uh garrett ordered it we're gonna share for now Ah, i forgot where he got it from our rdg maybe i don't know okay
2: who knows cool well we got some events coming up we got king stuff we got firefight stuff it's a great time to be a fan of mantic games uh i know i'll be seeing you kyle at the fall jackalopes yep um and then tyler are you gonna go to adepticon next year tyler or what's your man i really hope so I... okay maybe i'll see you i'm trying to i know britain's already got the hotel booked uh i'm trying to look at you know uh uh see if i can make it out to adepticon next year so maybe that's
4: i'm trying to, think about when to the... make a return because it's been yeah. too long and that's like my favorite weekend of the year <laughs> it's so good Yeah. Well,
2: I'm hoping to get these EOD done by, uh, well, really my real goal, and they're painting up pretty fast. I I found that if you don't have to paint a thousand individual scales on every single creature in your (laughs) army, your army actually paints faster. So uh, uh, I've been working on the piece. I'd really like to have my EOD ready for Riddle of Steel, which is in February. Or uh, if I go to Adepticon, have it done for Adepticon because, you know, it's a Mantic, all, all Mantic army. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm shooting for my EOD is to try to have them done by spring of next year just to have another army to play and also to have
4: like that all-Mantic army. So. And then, yeah, in terms of like things coming up, I'm really hoping we get some juicy information from the Mantic Open Day. I know they're doing yes. proper Mantic Open Day, so hopefully we get some really nice... Cool, exciting stuff for fire. Yeah, so let's Dead Zone. yeah let's wrap really up the hoping. show
2: by saying model wise, what are we? What are we? What would be your like your number one? Or are looking at the ranges or looking at your own army? What do you? What would you love to see Mantic do? Let's go with you first, Tyler.
4: Uh, well, aside from Rebs and Nameless, that goes without saying. I would love to see both of them. Um, I think your idea for the Black Talon Cipher Sprue would be a really good move in terms of advancing forward. And then, because I'm in such a veerman kick lately, I think if they could figure out a way to do either a, a hard plastic sprue or some way to reproduce the bolt chaser guys from uh, Star Saga, because they're in Dead Zone and they mention them in the firefight rules, but they're not, like, I don't actually have rules, but they, they mention, like, a whole fluff piece about them. But they're basically armored space rats that are able to go into space, like fully vacuum-sealed, cybernetic-looking rat warrior guys, and they're awesome. So I would love to see them make a return in some fashion because they're some of my favorite Veerman models, but there's no way to actually get them at the moment.
3: Uh, And what about you, Kyle? I will say that Kyle Pretzel Twinkie gave us a promise that if Firefight sold well, Lancer Battle Tank. It's been in the fluff forever. It's been talked about. Give me a Lancer battle tank, damn it! And Ronnie was gushing all about tanks and how great tanks
4: are, and the most yeah. recent uh, countercharge thing. So yeah, maybe be uh, my Lancer battle tank. I'd love a, a Lancer. I'm I'm all for it. Yeah.
2: Well, I know you know mine. Mine is, and I think it would. I think that would be a good idea for for firefight next year. Maybe when we look into the next year's, think about nameless or revs and then maybe think about the
3: factions that are ex- in existence. What's like one thing we can give them? Uh- and I. Sorry, go ahead. Uh I will say this. I know that you've been talking on counter charge and other things too about how do you do rebs plastic kits. I'm gonna give my two cents. It's really right. well, easy. I like I like the two cents. Let's hear it. Yeah. It's really easy. You just have a plastic kit with two of each different race on it, right? So you have a couple like two human bodies, you have two of the uh uh Sapphire bodies, two of what you know, you'd have a bunch of different ones, and then for firefight you have just Gen, you know, your main troop is a generic like you know sapper squad or whatever you want to call it for rebs and it doesn't matter what race it is yeah i
4: that's kind of the way i've been thinking about it too i think then that's the way to go rather than like separating each unit by race yeah. um just have them all be totally mixed and then really what matters is what weapons are holding so you right?
2: would have yeah. like a, a unit of rifle guys and it could be like this this body rifle where the bodies are there just for like the flavor more so than yeah the actual just you little. have
3: mixed units yeah, yeah, and it that also for sense. dead zone. It's nice that you have the different bodies for dead zones so where it does matter, and uh, and you can even have like you know the the Saphir have that like harpoon a high AP gun in dead zone. It just those are the ones who care. If you're going to put that kind of upgrade on that, it's going to be those guys too. But you can also, I think there's ways to mess around with the kit where you you can swap do head swaps pretty easily and keep things uh, like more of a unified look. Uh, But I think the reb like, I know in Rebs you can have just one type of race, but I think the cool part of Rebs, and what's different about it in Firefight or just in Warpath in general, is that it is often a conglomeration of different races working together. Whether they're criminals or freedom fighters or or whatever, it's normally a a group of different alien races, which is the cool part about Rebs, in my opinion. Totally. 100% agree. And I think that's the way to do
4: it. I agree. No, that makes total
2: sense. Yeah, and, and like you said, Tyler, I just want my I want my Cipher slash uh, Black Talon hard plastic kit, uh, and then I would uh, thank you very much. So Santa Ronnie, uh, and so if 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 Ronnie is Santa Claus, is is Kyle Prestle Twinkie like the lead elf, or is he Mrs. Claus, or or I don't know? He, I guess he's, he's definitely
4: a, head elf guy. Head head elf. Okay, yeah, he's a he's a I think his name is Bernard in the Santa Claus. Oh, from Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's totally Kyle.
2: Well, awesome fellas. Great episode. Super fun. Thank you again to Elliot. You know, I know he had to uh, run quick, but thank you so much. Uh, We're going to try to uh, reach out to the Kings of Hearts guys too, to talk about their scene in the future. And then we have um, our army reviews coming up. So lots of cool stuff from us firefight wise. So thanks to uh, Kyle and Tyler uh, for coming on the show and uh, Kyle, why
3: don't you take us out this time? And remember, always keep countercharging. Thanks for listening.
0: And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War Podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep counter-charging. Music is a composition of Kevin MacLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.